Welcome to the Garden Path Podcast, life lessons and conversations from the natural world. I'm your host, Misty Little. This is season five, episode three of the podcast. We are less than a week away from falling back here in the U.S., the time change where we return to a bit more light in the mornings and a lot of darkness in the evenings. I know many people are looking forward to this time switch, but in general, it isn't my favorite. Losing that precious bit of light after dinner in the winter can be difficult, but I know many of you in the northern latitudes don't really even get that, so I guess I'm not going to complain too much. Now, before I introduce today's podcast guest, I'd like to welcome anyone coming to the podcast via Cultivating Place. I was recently a guest on Jennifer's show, and I'll put the link to that episode in the show notes if you'd like to listen. I'll be the first to admit that I will likely not listen to that episode, in keeping with my general theme of not listening to episodes of shows where I've been the guest. I know, I know, I'm a podcast host, and it is already annoying enough to hear myself again when I edit episodes for this show, so I'm just going to go ahead and save myself the anxiety of listening to a show where I've been a guest. But I'm sure it all came together well, and I'm just going to rely on y'all to tell me how I sound and how it all went. So I recorded it on my 39th birthday back in July, and remember having a wonderful high feeling afterwards and had a great relaxing run after, so... I had a great time being a guest on that show. Um, yeah, I'm just, it's just kind of hard to uh, listen to yourself uh, when the tables are turned. So enough about me, on to today's guest, James Barella, where in his words, he curates the best in botanical curiosity through his shop, Botanical. James is a graphic designer by day, potter, artist, and gardener by night, and all the spaces in between. A lifelong curiosity with plants and his natural artistic leanings led him towards the art of designing functional pieces of clay into creative pots for plants. I have been following James for a few years now, and have even purchased one of his unique containers for my husband. And it's been fun to see how he's developed Botanical and his social media channels, including most recently his YouTube channel. You can find the show notes for the episode at thegardenpathpodcast.com. And now on to the episode. Uh, well, I guess maybe we can say, have you guys had any rain in Austin lately or is it still droughty? Oh, it's so droughty, unfortunately. Um, it's really taking a toll actually on the whole city. <laughs> Everything yeah. is brown right now and I, I can see um, I've had an armadillo digging throughout my bed and I think they're looking for like... Uh, grub or something because it's just so dry and there's nothing else to eat right now so <laughs> yeah so it's not pretty fall foliage it's just just dead <laughs> it's just dead everything's turning brown or is already brown and I, i'm not sure it hasn't rained in a very long time so yeah <clears throat> we got a little bit i was on the dry side of imelda so i got like a couple inches which was better than nothing but uh oh, that's incredible <laughs> the other stuff was it, it was way away from me. So the worst stuff, and it didn't really do anything for the drought index for us either. So I know. And you can always tell who has like sprinklers and stuff because their yard is nice and green. And then you go to mine and it's brown. So. <laughs> the perils of Texas. I so. know. <laughs> um, so are you from Texas or are you from somewhere else originally? So I'm from Santa Fe, New Mexico originally. Oh, okay. I, I grew up there. I was brought up there and I lived there until I was... Um, like 17 and then I moved off um but yeah I, I grew up in in Santa Fe and I, I didn't really do much um gardening over there but um it, it's such a beautiful place and it's so different from Texas in many ways even though it's relatively close right so you know I I, I gain influence from that but it is very different at the same time right 
did your parents garden or anybody in your family? My mom gardened here and there, but the, it's interesting because gardening in Santa Fe is very, um, it's such an arid landscape. You know, the soil is like red, it's sandy, you know, you can only cer- grow certain things there. And the drought is a really big deal over there. I mean, they get even less water than than we do over here. So um, it's kind of like a surreal place to live and grow up. And I thought like, you know, the rest of the of the country was like this, but it's, it's a really <laughs> un- unique place and the air's different and the sky is different. And like I said, the soil is just so sandy. So it's it's a pretty um, interesting place to, to grow up. <laughs> yeah. Do you still have family there or do you, or is everybody out of, out of the state? I have most of my family still there. Um, I ended up going to Austin for grad school, like many others, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, ended up staying because I just fell in love with the city. So I've been here for about, I think I moved in to Austin in 2011. So I've been here for eight years. Um, but yeah, most of my family is still in New Mexico and in Santa Fe and Albuquerque. So I go back from time to time to see them. But I've, I've been here now and set roots here. <laughs> so yeah. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I didn't have a lot of experience with Austin growing up. I had a great aunt who lived there, and I remember visiting her once, you know, driving, you drive down I-35, you see the Capitol, and I don't know, she had some little apartment somewhere, I couldn't even tell you now where, but it wasn't until we came back from Florida that I even started really exploring Austin, and and now I understand why so many people love it and why it's so expensive, because everybody loves it. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, and, you know, the city is changing, so I'm... Obviously, people know about that, but it's changing so dramatically. And, you know, there's just so many people coming here now. And that's fine. It's just it's trying to the city is trying to cap, uh, catch up with the infrastructure and um, dealing with roads that really weren't meant for this many people. So, <laughs> right. Yeah, I think I was listening to uh, I'm not sure some NPR show that today or yesterday um, and Gov- the governor, Greg Abbott, he wanted to he's trying to make the city of Austin, the mayor, uh, enforce some rule or a law against homelessness because of, yeah. I guess, drugs and stuff. And it seemed like there was a big battle. And I was like, I don't know, how can you outlaw homelessness when there's a city is unaffordable and you keep building and taking down the affordable places to live? Exactly. It's uh, it's really not even solving the problem. It's just basically getting you know homeless people out of the view of others, and that you know right. that's not right. Yeah. Um, but even for being such a big city, I really feel like it doesn't, there's of course a homeless problem, but it's really not, I don't see that much homelessness here. So it's interesting that that, um, dichotomy kind of exists right there. Right. Right. Um, so you have, so you came to Austin for grad school and you stayed and mm-hmm. you're a graphic designer by day. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So you're already artsy and interested in all of that. How did you get into pottery? Well, let's see. Um, I'm a graphic designer, like like you mentioned, and that means I'm basically uh, hooked up to a computer for mo- most of the day. So um, I, I think I responded to that and really wanted to do something creative, but away from the computer. Um, so that kind of pushed me into thinking about taking a pottery class at night, and I did a few years ago. And I kind of fell in love with it. It's such a messy process, but it's still very creative. Mm-hmm. Working on a, working on a computer is is creative, but it's not messy, and it doesn't really challenge you in the same way that that pottery does. So, um, 
that's kind of how I got into it as a response to just always being on the computer, but still wanting to be creative. Right. And I mean, how long was it before you were, you know, getting clay for yourself at home? Or I guess were you just making things in a class for a while and you finally decided to just make this like a, a permanent hobby? Yeah, that's basically how it kind of started. I, I took the class and then I kind of slowly bought a wheel and then I would take my fired or my pieces to be fired at, at a local um, clay shop and they would fire them for me and I would pick them up and then I would glaze them and take them back there and they would fire them again. Um, and that's how I would get my pieces done for, for quite some time. But I, you know, it's not really sustainable to keep doing that. And I eventually bought a small kiln just for myself. <laughs> and, uh, I've been working with that for quite some time. And so now I can kind of work on it at my own pace, take breaks when I need to, if I'm not feeling inspired and, um, just use it to really, uh, as a creative outlet and also, um, kind of make some money on the side to kind of fuel that. Uh, creative outlet so <laughs> right yeah because I'm sure buying clay and then running the kiln and everything you know that that gets expensive so <laughs> yeah it actually does but the good thing is uh my house has solar panels so that kind of pays for part of the kiln nice, fired, which nice. Is interesting. <laughs> yeah that's been a good trend I've seen in Austin over the last few years is how many new houses are, are being built with solar panels so that's pretty cool yeah it's great I, I really love it I mean I, I don't know if I would do it myself just because it's a big investment but it's um it's nice once you do have it yeah um so yeah your your pottery is I would say classic but also you know I wouldn't it's hard to say that you have a style and when you see it you can know this is this is James's work here it's botanical it's it's your brand um do you do anything else that's offbeat from what we see on your Instagram and your website? Um, I do. I usually keep those pieces for myself just because I try to have some sort of a consistent voice in my work. So people um, do know that it's coming from me. Um, but I always am experimenting and trying new things, trying new glazes, new forms. Um, I'd say like a lot of it fails and that's totally fine. That's part of the process. But mm-hmm. the great part is that I get to keep those vessels for myself and that kind of fuels my, um, my inspiration and I learn from that process and I get to have more pots. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> well, speaking of pots, how did you decide to focus on, on, you know, plant uh, pottery instead of, I don't know, creating, I mean, I guess you do have some vases, but I mean, things like, like cups and mugs and plates and, or, or more sculptural type types of work. Yeah. So uh, my like, main interest has always been plants and everything has kind of gone around that. So when I did start um, learning how to make pottery, I really did want to support that um, interest and that hobby of mine. So it made sense. It was just such a nice um, fit to really make these vessels to, you know, um, share with other people and other plant hobbyists and, uh, and go from there. But Um, I did try making plates and cups and all that stuff, but, and it was fun, but I just didn't feel the, the spark or the, um, the excitement when I did make them. I wasn't as proud when I showed them because I was like, okay, well, that's fine, but I really want to go back to pots and 
plants. <laughs> yeah. Um, so most of your planters are fairly on the small side. Have you ever done anything uh, like, I don't know, five gallon or any kind of bigger size pots? I've done a few pretty large size pots. Um, those ones have been through hand building. Um, but usually most of my pots are thrown on the wheel. So you're a little bit limited on what you can, on the size you can make, unless you're really skilled, um, on the wheel. Yeah. And also when I make my vessels, when I make them the first time, um, they're really quite large and then I put them to be fired and they shrink so much. So I'm always Mm. like, Oh my God, you got so much smaller. (laughs) And that's, that's just the, the water escaping from the clay and it brings those particles so much um, closer together. So it makes the whole piece um, smaller. I would love to make, you know, big five gallon, 10 gallon um, planters, but I also have to fit it in my little kiln as well. So that's another um, restriction. <laughs> right, of course. Yeah, you'd have to find some of, somewhere else to fire that if you <laughs> if you wanted to go that route. So yeah, and some you know some potters have or they fire with groups and they have these big um, kilns that are like almost the size of a room and they slide um, big trays in and, and you can fire large vessels like that. So um, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty That's cool. That's crazy. <laughs> um. So I guess maybe describe your studio a little bit. How is it? Because you recently moved, like in the last year. So how has that changed since since your move? Um, I have more space now, which is good. Um, My studio, it's relatively the same setup. I have my wheel, I have all my finished vessels, and I have my clay. Um, Things that have changed since then. um, I've started trying out slip casting, and that's the process of making a mold. Mm-hmm. And then you um, throw in slip, which is liquid clay, and you basically can make um, more repetitions of your vessels. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I'm trying it out. I'm not sure I'm the biggest fan of it. So I'm kind of inching back into wheel throwing and um, making more kind of idiosyncratic vessels, you know, vessels with like quirks. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I think I would think that also doing it the other way, you get kind of too methodical and too, I don't know, production oriented versus enjoying it for the process. Exactly. And that's how I've like, I've started um, pushing away from that a little bit because this is still to be um, supportive to myself. I want it to be a meditative process. I want it to be enjoyable for me. And I don't want to do this for just production, but I also want to share this with everyone else. So it's this fine balance of finding what works for you. Right. So how many years were you doing this for just hobby before you decided to start Botanical? Um, I started, I learned, I think, in 2014. And I just did this for a couple years. And I think in 2017, I started it under the brand of Botanical. And uh, since then, it's uh, been picking up and um, I'm it's nice to kind of have a name associated with the things that you make so that, like you said, they, they, they become kind of identifiable as your um, pieces. So that's kind of how it started. I just needed a name to work with it. And I knew that I was going to focus on plants and I wanted it to make it very clear. So I started it with the name Botanical. And the, the bay part <laughs> is kind of this <laughs> nod to... Um, 
it's a turn that you give to your significant other or something that you really like. Um, and it kind of emerged from the internet. And uh, it, to me, it kind of is a nod to my population, which tends to buy my my work, which is more of a millennial <laughs> population. And um, I'm, I like to stay connected with people on Instagram. So that was kind of the um, tongue-in-cheek reference for me. And I, I liked it in the end. Yeah, no, I think it works good. It's a very good uh, uh, play on words and, and you know, I don't know, in 50 years, it'll probably be like, oh, yeah, that was definitely the the, the late tw- <laughs> the 2010s. <laughs> totally. The... <laughs> so That's really um, funny, though. I haven't thought about it in the future. <laughs> yeah, they'll definitely be able to place it. <laughs> That's a period. It'll be a period piece by then. So, <laughs> um, no. So what do you have? Do you have like a five or 10 year plan for Botanical or do you kind of want to keep this like on a smaller but enjoyable scale? I think I'm going to keep it on a smaller scale, but I do want to expand. Um, I started a YouTube channel talking about my plant adventures and um, I'm kind of framing it as like this educational channel for other growers. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to continue keeping um, making these one of kind vessels, but I also really want to put a lot of um, energy into developing that, that channel because um, I found social media to be a really wonderful place to learn from others. Mm-hmm. And uh, I kind of want to give back in some way. So I'm going to be doing a little bit of everything as I as I normally do. But um, <laughs> but it's all with the idea of creating a a community, supporting a community of people that are interested in plants and decor and, uh, uh, you know, just uh, what I would call the the meditative qualities of gardening. So um, that's kind of what I'm interested in. And I think in five to 10 years, it's going to really um, be focused on that. Right. So I've, I've, you know, watched all of your YouTube videos to prepare for all of this. And um, you have a very, like, meditative, like, ASMR voice. (laughs) (laughs) So it was like I'm watching. I'm like, this is interesting. And then I'm like falling asleep it's not like it meant to be bad but it's like it's very peaceful like and you have a good setup with uh in your in your house and your cat's there and it's it's a very peaceful setting so I like I like where you're going with your videos I I want when people watch it to feel comfortable and um I don't know I, I want people to feel like it's okay to make mistakes it's okay to not know exactly what you're doing but you're, you're doing it because you love it and um, that's important to me so I try to be supportive and maybe my voice is also just naturally that way <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I, I do try to uh, be a positive force for people so right well I think and what you mentioned earlier about kind of branching out and all-encompassing you almost have to do that and when you mm-hmm. want to present yourself these days you're kind of like you said a brand and so you're making this one thing you've got to also reach these other people and it's something I'm working with I need to be better about on my own podcast and and branching out as well and uh but what you're doing uh seems to be working well I remember I came across you from Julie Rohr when of Garden Keeper um originally um I think she wrote some articles on your website yeah and then I remember just watching you grow in your pottery and all of that. And then I think you got a Christmas, like you were on somebody's Christmas gift guide. And then I've seen you just like explode and turn your yeah. Instagram into this very like 
cohesive place to visit and the same thing with your website. So I think you're doing a, a good job. <laughs> oh, I appreciate it. And, you know, those are the the skills of, of graphic design coming through and, and knowing how to communicate to different populations. And I think it's really helped me um, find a voice in, in that field. So I really appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like it. It's aspirational for me. So. <laughs> uh, you're too kind. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I guess let's make this back into the garden a little bit. You said plants were always like the thing for you, mm-hmm. uh, but you didn't really like grow up so much into gardening. When did that plants become interesting for you? Well, let's see. It. I, I started like my first, my own plant back in like 2013. And that was, I just finished grad school. I was feeling really depressed. And just coincidentally, I bought this plant. And I just like realized like it gave me something to um, care for. It gave me something to research. And it was just like a a spark for me. And from then, I kind of started collecting more, of course. That's what happens. And uh, it it really helped me um, get out of that funk that I was feeling. Um, and it was all just through like container plants and succulents and cacti are really big in Austin. So I really started collecting those as well. Mm-hmm. But it was just, it was something that was nice to just check on and have that daily, okay, I'm going to check on my plants, see how they're doing, what's changed, what hasn't. It's nice to just refer back to that as this kind of beacon in your life. And that's how I kind of started collecting plants. Um I was in an apartment at the time, so it was all just container plants. And I still have a lot of container plants, but eventually I I started branching out um, in uh, once I got a yard and and trying out different perennials and annuals. But it really just started from one single plant and just getting so excited to like research it and understand it and see how it works and what, what it doesn't like. And it's just fascinating to me. So that's how it kind of started. <laughs> right. I mean, that's that's usually how it is. First, somebody gets one plant and then it's a snowball. So. Oh, I know. God. <laughs> yeah. Then it's well, like, mean, well, an addiction. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, and I'm just thinking about there's a pollinator festival this weekend. And I remembered it because we went last year and I'm like, oh, yeah, there's a plant sale, too. And so in my head, I'm like, all right, I'm going to be buying some plants this weekend. <laughs> so I'm already excited about that. <laughs> yeah, I, it gives you this like fun thing it's just like kind of this fun thing to look forward to I don't know but it means a lot in people's lives when you're you're stressed and dealing with work and people and whatever but yeah that's that's why I continue to grow because it's just really healing to myself yeah so was it a cactus or a succulent that that got you started in all that it was technically a succulent but it did have thorns it was a um crown of thorns oh yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I still have it to this day so, oh, good. <laughs> uh, but it's so easy, but yeah, it, it was just a, and it flowers. So I probably picked it for that reason as well. Um, but yeah, I, I still have it. <laughs> nice. And you start a lot of cactus and succulents from seed too. How is, how challenging is that? Um, it's pretty challenging <laughs> just because uh, it's not challenging to grow them. It's challenging to wait for them to grow. Um, They are very, very um, slow uh, plants. (laughs) They don't grow very much, um, but it's still really rewarding for me. Um, I don't know why. 
I got into seed growing, but it was just another way of me interacting with the plants that I liked. Um, I, you know, I grow agaves, different types of agaves from seed, and there's no real reason that I yeah. need to grow them from seed. I could just get a pup from another one, but I did anyway. And it, it was kind of just this challenge to myself, like, can you do this? <laughs> and, uh, and it's just re- really rewarding, you know, to just no. you see these things that you've grown from seed and everyone says, oh, that can't be done. And of course, I want to prove them wrong. So um, that's how I, <laughs> that's why I often uh, grow from seed. No, I completely agree. I have kind of the seed addiction as well. <laughs> you know, if I'm out for a hike and I'm like, I like this wildflower. Ooh, there's mm-hmm. a seed head. I'm going to grab it and stick it in my pocket. <laughs> or, oh my um, or, you know, I, there were some persimmons in our neighborhood, uh, the native persimmons, and I got a couple fruit and I ended up sowing them and they stratified over winter in their pots and they sprung, they grew up and I'm, now I've got some persimmon trees and it's just, <laughs> yeah, it's an addiction. It's like, I can't help resist resist seeing if I can grow it you know exactly and the funny thing is like I know which ones I grew from seed and internally I'm a little more like biased towards them because <laughs> I'm like <laughs> I grew you from seed I didn't buy you from a nursery so it means even more to me <laughs> yeah that's funny I didn't think about that but that's very true <laughs> of course it's it's harder when you do lose them though because you're like oh I, I started you from seed <laughs> yes yep I've I actually am losing a couple plants on my potting bench because of the uh the drought we had this summer and yeah. uh, we were gone uh, on vacation for two weeks even though I had somebody coming by to water it was still just too stressful and so I've yeah lost things. so it happens that's how it is you have to just let go yeah <laughs> um so yeah you just moved to your new house and you basically kind of starting I mean was that front garden already there and you planted it or did you put everything in from scratch there was nothing here except um grass and a palm tree so (laughs) I tore out a lot of sod and I started the front garden and then um there's also the back which is on a slope and that mm-hmm. was just grass as well. And the house was built in 2007, but none of the previous owners really did anything with the space. So I, it was basically a blank slate for me. So in about a year, I've been tearing out tons of sod, um, planting beds, and, and just having so much fun with it and discovering what works, what doesn't, which is important the first year. And uh, learning from my mistakes as well. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, you've done a lot in the last year. I mean, especially, like, I don't know what to call it other than your sunken garden because it was on that slope and that hill. I mean, that was a ton of work. How, how did you yeah. get that done? So uh, <laughs> a lot of watching YouTube tutorials, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it was. it's essentially a retaining wall. Because it is on a slope, I knew that if I was going to garden on this space – comfortably I really wanted it to have um a couple tiers so I started researching retaining walls and it was good at the time that I didn't realize how much work it was going to be because (laughs) I don't think I ever would have done it but um I decided you know I can do I'm a DIYer by nature so I was like I can do this myself um and I did eventually (laughs) took me about six months but I did it and right now it's all done I'm just like now I'm doing the fun part of planting the space out and deciding the flow of the garden and thinking about what I'm going to grow for next year and starting some um, starting some beds 
from seed this fall um, so that I can have flowers next spring. So it's kind of a fun part right now. I'm getting like the the reward of all that effort. So <laughs> right now, maybe talk a little bit about that. Uh, walk people through like what do you have currently planted or what are you dreaming about planting? Um, let's see. Currently, I've planted. I this year I tried many different things to see what would work. Um, I have a lot. I basically am interested in pollinator gardens. Um, and I love the style of a cottage garden. I, I like where flowers and plants are just kind of intermingling and wrapping amongst each other. Um, it's just a really kind of romantic look for me. I, I like it a lot. So I've been growing zinnias and rudbeckia, um, milkweed, uh, different grasses. I have a gigantic um, mist flower that's I'm waiting for it to start blooming <laughs> and uh, salvias, all different types of salvias, sunflowers, just a lot of different types of flowering plants. And I've done them mostly from seed. So I'm just trying to determine what, what grows well in this soil. So it's been a lot of experimentation. Now, are you east of 35 or west? Do you have the limestone, rocky hill country kind of stuff, or are you more like the Blackland Prairie sort of section? It's the Blackland Prairie. Okay, yeah. okay. So uh -huh. you got a little bit better soil then. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think it's a, li it's a little more um, rich than the other one, um, and I think it's a little more organic. Like, there's more organic elements to help feed your the, the plants that I'm growing, um, but it's still quite challenging because there's so much clay that's true too, right? Now, did so you have once, to? Did, sorry, I'm did you? Sorry. In, do any, I'm sorry. Did you do any amendments to that when you added like compost or um, sand or anything else? I did mostly um, compost and slow release fertilizer, but it's it's mostly just been compost, which has done you know tremendous things for the soil. It's really um, getting there. Also, with all the grass that I took out, I created a little loam pile. So it took a few months, and then I started um, using that as well. And the soil was so nice. <laughs> oh, good, good. Um, do you have your own compost pile now that you... I I would love to. I don't know. <laughs> I, I almost feel like I'm intimidated by that because it's another um, field I would really have to learn about. Um, but I do really, really want to because I'm, I'm often, I'm often putting um, scraps in these, you know, paper bags for the the trash man to pick up, and I'm like, well, I could just be composting this. So I really do need to get on that. <laughs> yeah, you know, you could it, you could be a lazy composter, and I mean, I think that's what a lot of gardeners are, and I mean, that's kind of what we are. We don't water ours as much as it should we don't turn it as much as we should mm -hmm. we just throw things in there and you know hopefully that you know when it comes time for leaf season there's leaves around we can pick up or go get from somebody's driveway yeah. um so i mean it's not it looks intimidating but it's not necessarily that hard i think the more intimidating part is figuring out like the space you're going to put it in and how to mm -hmm. kind of keep it contained um i think now, how big is yours um let's see it's probably about 10 feet long by like five feet deep but and split into like two like kind of bins and it used to have we used to have really nice like oak wood trim it's 
when we first moved in, we had a bunch of dead trees from a 2011 drought. And so we used some of that to kind of frame the bin. But now mm-hmm. those, now that's wood is seven years old and rotting. So yeah, <laughs> right yeah. now I need that's to, about time for that. <laughs> yeah, we need to replace that, but it's still separate enough that we can have two sort of areas. And um, I think that, that it works for us. We definitely haven't, the last year or two, we haven't put as much effort into it as we should have, but I'm trying to get us back on target because we definitely are finding ourselves needing more compost than uh, we have when comes spring. So. Yeah. And I, I'm spending so much money on buying compost as well. I'm like, there's no reason I should be doing this. So. Yeah. Well, and you should be able to find, or, you know, con your neighbors into like giving you their, their grass clippings and things like that. <laughs> I'm sure I can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, oh, I do want to talk about your dahlias. So yes. I was really impressed that you grew them because, uh, you know, we're Texas and no, we can grow <laughs> dahlias here. Maybe like Fort Worth or Amarillo. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I don't even think Fort Worth usually does dahlias, but I saw someone else in Houston try them this year too. And I think they got, I think that worked for them too, but yeah, maybe talk a little bit about that. How you managed to get that to work. Um, well, like, as you know, uh, I love a good challenge. <laughs> so I, I've always been in love with, um, dahlias. So I, I decided to try them out this, this year. And what I did was I bought the tubers online and they came and I just kept them. I don't, I can't remember if I, I think I just kept them out of the soil for a while until it was ready and then I put them in pots um, in the spring and didn't really water them until they developed uh, leaves because mm-hmm. I was re- I was really worried about them rotting actually and a few of them actually did rot so you know I, that's why I had them in the pots so that they would um, drain very easily but once I had enough growth I put them in the the soil I didn't really amend it very much actually because I read um, several sources that said try growing it just in the soil that you have and um, it should probably be enough. So I did that. I mean, I, I maybe used one bag of compost, but that's, that's mostly it. And they've been growing quite well, actually. Um, I think there's different species and cultivars that do better. Um, but they've, I've been rewarded with uh, a good yield this year. I also use about three inches of um, mulch on top. Mm-hmm. And I also, the big thing is I have them in part shade. So they get shade after um, about 1 p.m. And okay. I think that's really, really important because, you know, they're starting to wilt at that point. So mm-hmm. once they get shade, they perk right back up and you're totally fine. Um, and I don't really water them too often every maybe three or four days luckily so uh yeah it's been a lot of fun actually and i it's one of those things where you do all this work several months before and you finally get the reward and you just feel so proud of what you've what you've grown even though people have said well that's not a good idea (laughs) yeah Um, right but yeah it's it's been a lot of fun i think one of the things that they say about dahlias in texas is that it's not necessarily the heat of the day that gets them, but it's the fact that the nights are very warm as well. Yeah. So they're used to growing in, I think it's high desert where once it hits, um, once the sun goes down, temperatures drop. So they get that nice um, respite, but you don't really get that here. <laughs> no, nope. <laughs> um, now, do you dig the tubers up in the winter or are you going to leave them in the ground? How does that work? 
I think I'm going to dig them up in the winter. Um, I see a lot of growers in the Northwest doing that. So I'm going to do that as well. I think it's possible that they'd be fine if I left them in the ground, but I'm still worried about them um, rotting. So I'm going to take them up and just probably put them in the garage or, um, yeah, I think they need some, I think they basically need to be a little chilled for the winter so that they have that period of rest. But I am definitely digging them up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's your prize now, so you can't let them (laughs) rot. (laughs) And yeah, they say that there's many different varieties that are, that can handle the heat a lot better. So I would definitely recommend you do some research and see which ones have proven to be um, resilient to the heat. So, Yeah. Now, your other plant that you seem to be really into are the Monsteras right now. And I think, like, everybody in the houseplant world is also into them. So <laughs> you're not alone. Um, maybe talk a little bit about that because I know you've put a few videos out about them. And I've never grown them. I know they're very – they were popular in Florida before – anybody else was really growing them as crazily as they are now. But um, uh, yeah, like what's that about? What's your passion for Monsteras? Um, I I think I really like them because they are very graphic in nature. Like their leaf shape is very um, particular. They have the the fenestrations or the little um, slits in the leaves. And I think this is my theory is that they photograph really well. And social media has really um, used them to, um, they basically disseminated on social media very, very quickly and everyone kind of wanted one from there. So that's how I think it kind of went from like popular in the 1970s and then maybe some tropical places. And then finally now it's in everyone's um, home, but I like it because it's easy to grow. Honestly, Um, it's a beautiful plant. It's quick. And it just provides a really nice foliage um, accent in a person's home. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also started, um, I've also grown most of mine from seed. And that was also a really um, enjoyable process because uh, it just seemed like something I couldn't do. So I just wanted to do it again. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I did. So it's been a lot of fun. But I think it's just social media that's really um really change the way that we view a lot of these plants, especially the, the aeroids or the, the, mm-hmm. fam- the plants from the RSCA, I think it is, family. Mm-hmm. They just are so popular right now. And I think that's also because millennials don't really have a lot of access to outdoor space to garden on their own. And so they still want to be in touch with uh, nature, and, it, and this is a really great way for them to be and to have access to plants. So Right. Um, yeah, I love all the variegated, really cool ones, which I'm sure everybody else likes as well. (laughs) (laughs) Now, how hard is it to germinate those from seed? Do you have any special stratification or is it just, or soil types? Um, they're pretty flexible. Um, the problem is the seeds are very perishable, so Mm. they will only really last one season. In fact, I keep mine, um, in the refrigerator and then um, they're also really the seeds themselves are really prone to drying out quickly so they have like a papery texture on them and you can see as they get older the the seed inside begins to shrink and the papery texture becomes a little more wrinkled so mm-hmm. um, they're 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 kind of plants that um, that are expecting to germinate really quickly 
Um, things that I do, I just use a kind of a general purpose soil, like some compost and a lot of perlite. Um, I've been trying out, um, I've been trying out, gosh, what's, oh, expanded shale. That's been really helpful. And uh, yeah, they're just really easy to, to get going. They take about two to three weeks. And then you'll have your own little monstera. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have a, any like a grow light setup, or do you try and are you germinating these uh, in like a window or somewhere where it's sunny? You can do either. Um, I have some grow lights, but I have grown them from seed in just a windowsill, and uh, either one does perfectly fine. They don't need a ton of sun because they they um, they're tropical plants, and I think they're like understory plants. Mm-hmm. So they're um, usually under a tree or climbing up a tree. So they don't need a, a lot of sun, which makes a perfect house plant. Um, right. But they uh, they do need a little bit of light. So if you if you're really in a dark environment, um, a grow light can be very helpful. Okay. Yeah, I just knew because of all of the seed starting you do, I didn't know how much of an intensive setup you had and you hadn't really shown that aspect so i didn't think you had a had a lot of grow light set up i think like the more important thing for those is a heat mat they like the heat and i think that really triggers them to um germinate and get going it's that that warmth and that hot moisture that they're looking for so right now is there a plant or type of plant that you want to grow that you're not growing yet Okay, well, maybe you can help me with this. Is that I've been trying to grow poppies. <laughs> oh. Uh, I tried growing, I know they're supposed to be really, some people say they're really easy, but I've just, I tried it all last year and I had like zero luck. I maybe had like one or two poppies and I really want to try it again this year and, and see if I can get any. But I, go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm just thinking, I, 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 when we first put our beds in, we put, um, several different poppies like California poppies and then some of the more ornamental ones like we had Lauren's grape poppy which I really love oh, um, yeah, those that's are a beautiful. beautiful poppy and it grew we had and I would throw seeds out and it would grow great for those first couple of years and I think the reason why I'm not having good success I've thrown more out over the years I think part of it is that the deer come by for me and they like chow it down oh. but it's also I think we've gotten more, more moist here um so they're not, they're not, they're, they may germinate, but then they kind of fade out because they're getting too wet. In those um, early years, it was drier, and now we've switched to a, a more wet kind of cycle. Um, right. So, I mean, I wish I could tell you, like, a trick, like, hey, how I get to grow <laughs> puppies. But I would think, I would think California puppies would probably be a better choice to at least start with. Is that what you've okay. tried? Um, it was oriental puppies. Okay. Yeah, I would go with, I mean, they're not native. I don't think they're native to Texas. Don't quote me on that here. Um, <laughs> um, I don't, I'm not sure what their range is, but I, yeah, I would go with a native United States poppy. <laughs> yeah, say that. I think that's a good start. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and especially like California has, you know, a similar dryish kind of climate to the hill country. So, yeah, it seems like they don't want to be babied at all. <laughs> right. No. So, so I'm going to try that this fall. I'm just going to sprinkle some um, native <laughs> poppies yeah, in right. <laughs> and uh, just kind of leave it alone and see what happens in the space. But I'm going to try again. <laughs> yeah. Those would look really good out in your front your front bed, I think. With, yeah. With, yeah. I 
I would like that. (laughs) (laughs) Show me pictures when they grow. (laughs) (laughs) You know I will. Uh, Anything else you want to grow? Um, I just ordered a smoke bush, so I'm going to try that. Um, I'm looking for some large perennials um, to kind of be anchor plants in my yard. So I got a smoke bush. We'll see how that does here. But it is, um, I think it said it's up to zone nine and I'm in 8B. So I think it'll be fine. Um, But yeah, I'm just trying to see what else (laughs) you should try a a texas mountain laurel because that's a native plant and yeah and they're a little slow growing but um they have the great flower and the the scent it's it's really nice when they're blooming i think that's a really good suggestion because i am looking for a relatively small tree but still a tree and i think yeah those because of they are relatively slow i think that's going to be a good match so i'm gonna have to look that up (laughs) yeah yeah i like them we have one in our bed and it's growing it's slow but uh it's it's gonna be nice when it gets big (laughs) yeah and because the yard has been so it's so new still i'm having to put places for a shade for my plants so i'm trying to think of things that will give areas where i can kind of underplant and put some things that I really want to grow, but just cannot handle, you know, full sun for eight hours. <laughs> right. Right. Well, if I think of any other plants that you should try, I will, I'll let you know. Cause um, I'm sure there's something out there that that would be great in your garden. Please do. <laughs> um, the last thing I want to talk about was your little episode of central texas gardener that was really cool to see and you brought your cat too so that was that was exciting um so maybe talk a little bit about that episode and i mean i'll I'll put a link to it in the show notes so people can watch it but that was really exciting for you yeah it was it was a lot of fun um i actually met the producer linda through instagram so a lot of my connections happened through instagram yeah Um, and that's so she kind of um, threw out the idea of going on the show, and I thought it was such a great, um, obviously, I love the idea. <laughs> and uh, so I said, you know, Daphne on the show often has her little dachshund, Augie, with her. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to see if I can bring my little cat, Luna, who's basically like my little studio manager who watches me and hangs out with me while I make all my pottery and I went on the show to talk about my pottery, so I was like, this makes sense. <laughs> yeah. um, but it was it was just a wonderful um, experience. I got to talk about my influences and um, the different things that go into making pottery and shared some of the finished products that I've, I've worked on and all with uh, Luna on my lap to talk to um, Tom with. <laughs> but yeah, yeah it, was a great, was, it was a great time. She was so well-behaved. My cat would never have, I mean... If I had a blanket, he might have sat down and gotten cozy, but <laughs> well, <laughs> he would have, wouldn't have lasted. <laughs> she was um she was young there also, so now she went through her teenage years and she's a little more like opinionated and you know wants to do her own thing. Um, but at the time, she was very like, I'm just gonna hang out with you, so <laughs> it worked out in my favor. Good. Um, well, I don't want to get too much more of your time. So maybe if you want to share any final thoughts, um, what you want folks to know about you or a botanical, where can people find you? And, um, if you have any special, um, pots for sale right now. Yeah, I just, uh, made 
couple new pots. You can find them on my website, botanical.com. I've also been starting to create some vases. I have so many flowers around me that I'm wanting to um, create some vessels for them. So I'm also selling vessels that are for flowers. So um, you can also find me on YouTube. You just look up Botanical and my Instagram, Botanical. Um, but yeah, I think those are the best ways to contact me. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Next time I'm in Austin, I will have to, uh, touch base with you and see if we can meet up or go plant shopping or something. Oh my gosh, please do. <laughs> I need more, <laughs> more plant enablers. <laughs> yes. Oh, who, who doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> so, well, thank you so much for taking time to talk to me. I'm glad we were able to connect because like I said, mentioned to you that I've wanted you to be on the podcast for a couple of years now and it worked out so yes I, I really appreciate you extending that invitation and that's the show thanks for listening to the garden path podcast you can find the podcast at thegardenpathpodcast.com where you can also sign up for my quarterly newsletter and I'm on Instagram at the garden path podcast okay until next time <laughs>